Welcome to Lost in Menstruation, the podcast with Gemma Barry from the Well Woman Project, the podcast that talks about women's Hi guys, health. so you're joining me on an episode where I am joined with a client of mine actually, Meg. Hi Meg. Hello, hi. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? <laughs> Very well, thank you so much for agreeing to come on and answer some questions about our work together um so first off the bat then uh, do you want to let our listeners know a little bit about yourself and what kind of conditions and stuff you've got going on yeah so I am 42 and I discovered that I had endometriosis last year was it last year or the year before I think actually I was just 40 or just before I was 40 confused yeah two years ago um I was in a Pilates class and I was bending down in some position and just had a huge uh, sudden pain um, and I went to the toilet afterwards to check that out, as you do <laughs> as you do you do need to check these things <laughs> I haven't exploded or anything yeah um yeah belly sort of yeah lower abdominal pain and I looked in the mirror and my whole belly area just bloated up I looked about more than three months pregnant and I was really confused by that uh, and a bit worried so then I decided to I tried to get an appointment with the you know with my doctor NHS and that was very slow so I just decided to go straight to Harley Street and get a scan and then they told me then that I had an ovarian cyst um, so yeah so I went through the whole uh, surgery procedure that took about nine months to get um, a surgery date after that point yeah um, but after that, I think when I came home from the hospital, I really wanted to think about alternative ways to um, manage my endometriosis, really. I didn't really want to go on the coil. I didn't want to take the progesterone pill. I didn't want to take any of the injections. And I just really believed there had to be a way to manage this in an alternative way. So that's when I reached out on Facebook, asked some friends, does anyone know? And then uh, a lovely friend, Terry, in, um, well, she was in Brighton, now she's in Cornwall. She suggested, she actually gave me your amazing article, the one about I opted out of surgery, here are seven things I did for my endometriosis instead. And that was just such a game changer for me. So from that moment when I read your article, I was like, I'm going to this woman, I'm finding her, I'm going <laughs> to Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's really powerful, isn't it, to find those connections and... Um, like find your the, the people that you need to chat to um, and reach out to your community about stuff like that too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, cool. Uh, well, that kind of answers my next question then on how you found me. <laughs> it was your article, but then I didn't realise that you had this whole Well Woman Project stuff going on. I just, I read your article and that was enough for me to kind of realise that you were on the same page as me at that time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, which is really important, isn't it? With any kind of like therapy, um, you're a therapist yourself. So, you know, that kind of connection is really important to make sure you're working with the right person that fits yeah. your needs as well. Absolutely. I just I think the advice that I was given was, you know, if I wanted children, I should try and get pregnant immediately after surgery. And that was a huge pressure. Mm. Um, not that I'd had, you know, 20 plus years to think about. <laughs> but <laughs> It was quite, you know, timely. Um, or, or my surgeon said, um, or you need to go straight onto the progesterone pill or the coil. And I just, all of those options just seemed very overwhelming. And I, I didn't really agree with any of it. Yeah. 
so and it, it for me it, I mean my surgery was excellent I thought he was you know he's brilliant at what he does and he also did my mother's surgery as well um for something different <laughs> um but it seems like sort of very old-fashioned advice for women that I'm still I'm still really struck by the, this idea that women are encouraged to to go this sort of very old-fashioned medical route which yeah. to me is the 1950s or 70s even yeah yeah uh, and um did you ever get any kind of uh, information from uh, sort of the medical side of things about diet or exercise or anything else was it just medicine yeah, nothing holistic like that nothing about nutrition food uh, I even said to my surgeon after surgery you know I've been really tearful for a couple of months almost every day is you know is that normal is that what happens after surgery with this kind of stuff and he said oh I don't think that's got anything to do with the surgery so again that was interesting because I thought there has to be some link surely yeah yeah and then it kind of gave me that feeling of I went into that space of a man telling a woman she's a bit hysterical and a bit out of control and needs to get you know gather herself and pull herself together and then think about the turn of the century like 1800s to the 1900s and you know how women were considered you know the whole hysteria and stuff and I still think that kind of rhetoric is very present today between men and women which you know I <laughs> struggle with um I know it's not <laughs> everywhere but no it's certainly like I think it's a problem so and I think I do that some advice for women around reproductive stuff just still seems very anachronistic just out of date I don't know what you think about that but yeah definitely uh, I was chatting to someone the other day actually who um had been told that she absolutely needed to get pregnant as a way to solve her endometriosis and you're like no that's not a way to solve it and it's not a way to solve any hormonal issues to have a have a child I mean that itself is like a huge deal and like you say it's a massive pressure um to suddenly think oh I've got to do this for kind of all the wrong reasons really you know like um so yeah that is completely archaic and very sort of patriarchal um bullshit basically <laughs> I want to hit the bullshit button on that one um for sure my understanding about that is that I think I mean again you can correct me because you were a nurse but I what I understand is that I think the um it you know pregnancy represses those symptoms mm. but then can actually come back tenfold afterwards yeah I've heard a lot of women who've given birth and they actually say their endometriosis is much worse now yeah yeah absolutely I mean it it can still be there like women can still be suffering greatly with endometriosis all the way through a pregnancy so um to say that it's uh it makes it go away or it cures it um by having a baby is just it's the biggest load of rubbish which really grinds my gears because as an alternative therapist you can people can always like oh but where's the science and you're like Oh, where's the science with that that's just like an old wives tale <laughs> and you're a doctor like you should know better <laughs> yeah yeah it's very frustrating but menopause as well because I think if we don't manage or get on top of the endometriosis now before menopause I've, I've heard and again I don't know if this is true but then menopause is then very unpleasant as well that mm -hmm. whole time you're going through that that stage so I don't know do you know much about 
you know, men, I guess that's a whole other topic of conversation. <laughs> it is it's a, a huge topic of conversation. But, um, well, you're right in essence, really, because uh, regardless of endo or otherwise, like the more you put in now to look after your cycle, the more that that will serve you. Because like I've said this to you so many times, I'm sure you're bored of hearing it, but like the periods that you see today are like history so they're not the they're not the evidence of where we are at this very moment they're the evidence of where we were two or three months ago so um you're always working in the past with your period health um, and you're seeing the period that you see today is telling you how you've been doing from that sort of cycle going forward so the more you put in now to help your cycle to help your general overall health and your diet and nutrition and all that kind of stuff that serves you um, going forwards because your hormones and everything can be much more balanced out as you creep into perimenopause and the menopause years because um, there's a, a large portion of society that don't suffer with menopausal symptoms in this like catastrophic way that we're sold. So um, we kind of think about the menopause as like drying up, uh, you know, hence why my menopause tincture is called Ain't No Dried Up Prune, because we just feel like everything is going to fall apart. We're all going to head south. It's it's death and destruction in a, just a desert island kind of situation where actually like half of the population you know female population don't suffer with any of that kind of stuff you know they might have the odd thing but pretty much fly through it um so again we really hone in and focus on those few that that don't um and it creates that kind of picture and then psychology psychologically that's playing on our minds right because we're thinking oh my god it's all going to be over once i get my menopause which isn't necessarily the case so. yeah yeah your instagram post recently you said is it three months it takes to produce an egg and yeah. so your period is painting literally a picture <laughs> yeah it's fascinating stuff it really is um that's why i love it <laughs> just like ah it's so interesting um and like piecing that jigsaw together for for women is is really interesting and fun thing to do for sure um Cool. So, uh, nice segue there into why uh, why you felt you wanted to seek an alternative kind of practice um, and help for your um, endo and things. Yeah, I mean, I'm really because I'm a therapist. I'm very interested in the spiritual and emotional, um, I guess, elements to endometriosis. I know that obviously, well, not obviously, because I, I think we're still trying to understand it more and more. Mm. Um, anyway. Um, but I guess it's it's partly genetic, isn't it? Um, yeah. Again, I don't, um, I don't even know if my mother had it. She she doesn't even know if she had it. But yeah. um, but she, my, my mother, hopefully she doesn't mind me saying this, but she had fibroids. And I don't know, is that, if you have fibroids, is that endometriosis or can you have fibroids as a separate issue? Yeah, there is a completely separate issue. I've, I've got endo, adeno, fibroids had cysts like I'm just seeing how much more garbage I can get into my uterus space <laughs> um but there is that uh, like endo is a separate thing to fibroids completely but um there is that thought about having too much estrogen and um, when you know we run in on a higher estrogen in our body then uh, that can give way to um, certainly things like fibroids and endo is sort of part of that. It isn't like just having high estrogen isn't what's going to cause endo. Like it's multifaceted, but um, it is a contributing factor for sure. 
Yeah, and actually just a, a segue off to this question about the oestrogen is I've just read some research around oestrogen protecting women from COVID-19. Is that, I don't know if you've read this, but no, it's I haven't, no. I just think that one good thing possibly about endometriosis, and I could be very wrong, <laughs> is it could be protecting women from, you know, with endometriosis from this virus, but who knows? I mean, I'm sure there's some exceptions to this rule. Some women screaming at me. Well, screaming. there's got to be some fucking plus points to having endometriosis. There's not many, let's be fair. So if it's going to help protect us with COVID-19, I'm all over that. <laughs> yeah. But going back to your original question here about, um, yeah, the emotionally, I'm really interested in the, yeah, the spiritual, emotional stuff. So I think you talked about boundaries. You talked about intuition. And Terry's talked about this as well, about intuition and how intuition can get derailed. Um, and that can be, well, I don't know if it's the symptom or a, or a cause of endometriosis potentially or an aspect, you know, yeah. how that, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, the emotional part of, um, like our health is really, is never addressed at all. So, um, like every, every sort of condition that we have in our body or dis-ease like this unbalance in our body, um, is derived from our mental health as well um, because it's how you know we create inflammation in our body and that creates um, you know disease in it and you know things flare up from inf inflammation pretty much most of the time that is the sort of crux cause of things and uh, you know we we can make and exacerbate things far worse if our mental health around stuff is um, is a little bit wobbly and it's a real chicken and egg cycle because you know you have uh, your health is poor then that can create poor mental health or you can have poor mental health which can create poor like, physical health too um, and what I found in medicine when I was nursing was that the two were never really addressed uh, like it was always like the body was always separate to the mind um, and where I work um, holistically now I can see that as a whole and that's really really important um but there's definitely some like markers around stuff uh, in terms with any kind of gynae problem really but certainly um I find this a lot with endo is that I mean our uterus is our creative hub and uh I don't mean that just in terms of um, having children either because I'm a big advocate that like yes it's an amazing thing that it does but it isn't the only job that it does um, and we need all of those like body parts like our ovaries and our uterus uh, regardless of whether we're going to have children or we've, we're done with having kids or whatever um, it's not just oh we'll just take that away now because it's redundant it isn't because it does so much more um, but like every month it creates a whole new endogrind gland with our corpus luteum. So, you know, it's, it's forever creating. And, uh, when we're, when we're unboundaried and when we're, um, not able to like speak clearly for ourselves and stuff like that, it all gets congested in there. Um, and that is a real, um, like we internalize quite a lot of stuff and hold it in that, um, in that space. So, um, yeah, working with the emotional side of things is, is really important for me as a therapist, but also for my clients, I think. Um, and I, I don't know about you, but 
whenever I talk about that, there's always some light bulbs that go off for people. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah. I mean, that was such a mind blowing thing when I first came to you and you said, this is your creative hub and it, it's not just for humans. It could be, you know, you could be painting, you could be writing and making music and art and theater and improv and all the rest of it. And I just, uh, yeah, that was such a, an inspiring moment to think, oh, actually, I think you know, how important it is to keep being creative well, as a woman and a man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You think there's that calling in the female body to produce, um, to make things? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, really important. Um, and I think we can put a lot of hate around our um, pelvic space, especially like with conditions um, that affect our periods and our hormones and stuff like that, because it is so all encompassing to our whole as you know it affects every part of our sort of well-being if you like so um and if you have that kind of uh, disengagement with the body part then um you're not serving it like you know if you're always hating on your hands or uh, or your feet or any part of your body like it's not going to be um it's just not going to work as effectively as it could do um because you're your mind your mind is thinking negatively about it which is the same for anything you know if you want to like manifest something your mind frame is a big part of of that because it really changes your perspective on how you see things so yeah a big part of my work is helping women to you know reframe how they see their periods and their pelvic spaces and you know their overall health and well-being really yeah no it's it's that was so helpful especially mm. it really made me kind of look into in my own process i suppose around children and, and we don't have to get into that too much but you know some of these sort of out-of-date unhelpful beliefs mm. i mean i one of my unhelpful beliefs was you know i'm not a real woman unless i have a child you know and that's a big one i think for a lot of women who mm. don't have a child yet or would decide not to or um it can be quite a stuck point i think yeah. i think when you start to release that again i think that's hugely helpful for that part of your body isn't it I mean, yeah massively like i i had that feeling too um when i was working through uh where i was with um not having children and like i was always happy with that uh oh. decision you know i knew from a very young age that that's how i wanted to be but you still get infiltrated with other people saying that to you and um you start to believe it and it, yeah that can make things very very sticky um in the pelvic place if you're thinking you're not a whole woman or you're not a whole person if you haven't you know had a human being growing inside you whereas you can mother to so many different things without ever having had your own children um because you know uh, you've got a dog haven't you and yeah and nephews and friends there's so many other kids and or beings that we can nurture and help totally or it could be your garden or it could be, you know, it could be your work or your creativity projects, you know, like you put all that nurturing and effort into that. Like it's such a narrow point of view, in my personal opinion, to think that uh, the only way you can create is to have another human. Because I think then it discredits all the people that 
look up you know have adopted children for example that have never had their own like are they not proper parents or humans because they they haven't had their own children so yeah uh, yeah that message is very subtle as well isn't it because like, people don't directly say those things mm. or some, occasionally they do but it's quite rare now i think people are more careful yes yeah. society gives us that general message that yeah that that's the way to go I think yeah yeah totally and I think it's really important to have these conversations actually Meg because like if there's anyone out there who has ever felt that way or maybe in that place now who's listening to this can have kind of like solace that they aren't on their own for one and uh you know that it's it's normal to feel those things and actually there it is okay as well like um I mean I think like I help other other people like I've got god children and like nieces and nephews and stuff that you help out with and I can do that because I don't have kids I've got the space and the energy to do it so um you know it it all balances out if you let it and people stop casting massive judgments <laughs> um, a hugely important figure in those kids lives and yeah. for the parents too I mean they'll be really glad that you do have this availability yeah need other people like you and I to be there for their kids I think yeah, yeah, you know, definitely. be that yeah. aunt or friend or godmother or... yeah yeah totally it's a it's a really good gift to be able to to give out definitely um cool so uh, I love the little segues that we go on <laughs> that's why I have to write things down because I know full well I go on tangents as well so it's great uh yeah. so um what do you uh, what do you get out of your sessions that you've had and how have they helped yeah well so I mean the first thing that I can think of is first of all for anyone listening Gemma Barry is the queen of empathy <laughs> patience and tolerance <laughs> um I, I wasn't expecting that, to be honest. I thought it was just going to be an abdominal massage, you know, walk in, walk out, off you go, boom, bosh, <laughs> goodbye. And I was amazed by, um, and really appreciated, well, I still do, by the way, I'm not finished. <laughs> Don't think I'm going anywhere. <laughs> just your, yeah, your your ability to sit down and receive. I think that's huge, that's, that's an amazing skill. I mean, that's a therapeutic skill, which... You know, and I'm sure you learned being a nurse. Um, but I've always been really impacted by your listening to me. I always go away feeling like, oh, I feel so understood. I feel really, feel really met. And I don't have that often um, with, you know, it, you know, we get that with friends and stuff, but it's always a kind of back and forth. But I yeah. just feel you really get the, the difficulties that I've experienced with endo and all that stuff. So, and the children's stuff and the nutrition stuff and all that kind of it just feels uh, like this lovely kind of you know you walk away down that road and you think oh I've just been met so brilliantly <laughs> I swear people must wonder what on earth goes on in my shed sometimes as people come out like looking all like woo <laughs> and, and also I suppose because you you encourage all of us to do our self-care so that's been amazing too to you know uh, developing that for myself each day um some days I've not done it and I've forgotten that's terrible so you always remind me to keep doing that which is great um but also I mean yeah I think you've you work quite deeply in person so uh, you know you give my abdomen area quite a workout and the first I'd say two or three times it was quite I think a shock to the body yeah. which is and I and I luckily I was 
I hung in there because I think if I didn't realize that I needed to do that cleansing, I probably would have quit at that point. But mm. I had um, the next day after, I think it was the first or second session with you, I was in a, an asylum uh, tribunal hearing with my um, Afghan friend. And it was the day after I'd had a session with you. And I, just, <laughs> my family and everyone were like, Meg, are you okay? You look white as a sheet, you know, white as a ghost. Yeah. And I said, I've just had misanthropy. <laughs> 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 they were a bit worried. <laughs> I said, no, this is just a healing crisis. Don't worry. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's an important thing to remember for the, I mean, I don't know if your other patients or clients have had this, but yeah, I'd say for the first three sessions, it was quite a kind of, and then it depends where in your cycle I think you also have the sessions because I found before ovulation I was better but before a period it just knocked me out so yeah yeah. and that can change it can alternate as well depending on what kind of cycle I'm having but yeah it can be um like the different sort of healing crises and stuff that people can get really vary but yeah it it definitely it always happens uh and it definitely um changes like your period and and how your cycle can be and uh, and it kind of can depend on congestion and stuff and what we're working with you know how much emotional stuff we're releasing and um and what kind of herbs we're adding in and all that kind of stuff as well so um yeah there's a lot of like layers that we're working on there so yeah it absolutely can happen i know you like you say i remember you like calling i'm feeling like this is this normal yeah it is don't worry hang on in there <laughs> your your shed and just be floating a little bit kind of like wow i feel really mad and i feel really strange and all this stuff and i'd like leave like you know i don't know drop gloves and or whatever and no, i didn't leave my gloves it was something else like what i think you left your card <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, got your tube card <laughs> so i had to come back to you and, and you saw how pale i was and like, yeah that was good just to have that reassurance of yeah don't worry yeah. you know it's part of it but uh, yeah I was a little bit like oh gosh is this going to be every time but it's, it's got better over time I think yeah yeah it's as your body's getting into balance and stuff as well so um yeah it's uh it's it's good to happen but yeah it can feel a little bit unnerving because you just think I've only had my belly rubbed like how you know how's that happened but you've also like talked a lot of deep stuff through um and in well not the first time but subsequent times then you've gone on and um you know used herbs and stuff which will help change things around as well so um yeah, yeah. lots of yeah. lots of healing going on at the same time definitely i mean that wall of cement that you do is that that's the central one isn't it yeah that's pretty deep and also if you think about it we don't really we don't have much physical contact to our belly, do we? Unless, you know, if you have a partner or, or not, but otherwise no one's touching your stomach ever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah your- it's a really guarded part. I mean, like all animals guard their tummies. Like, you know, if dogs roll over and have their belly scritched, like that's a real sign of trust and, and whatever. And, and it, yeah, same thing for us really, because you're right, we never have it, um, we never have it done. And funnily enough, actually, I was doing a, a video it was like a time-lapse video for my niece on the Mizan therapy but I was doing it like not as a, a full treatment just to get the video of it and she said to me she's like oh, I could see why dogs like having their belly rubbed because it because it was quite light she was like this feels lovely <laughs> she was almost like in a soporific state with it um yeah so yeah true and I think with the self-care that you've taught us to do 
I mean, I, that feels like in the morning after I've done that, it feels like someone's given me a really nice hug around my waist or, you know, it's just a very, it feels very caring and it feels like my belly is now ready to face the day as well. It yeah. is that sets it up somehow. Yeah. And like good connection, you're building that connection back with your body and stuff as well. Um, Cause I mean, that's a big part of the healing crisis as well is that, this connection that we have and it's pulling it back together and actually feeling everything as a whole so um yeah that can be uh, that can be quite important to do uh so yeah that's kind of answered then like what the um what it feels like when you're having um mizans tinctures if you haven't gone to Gemma for tinctures yet that's going to be a treat <laughs> <laughs> names are brilliant and yeah <laughs> behind the the fuck that shit tincture <laughs> it's so good yeah uh, it's my best seller that one <laughs> I don't know I don't know if it was with you or if it was with another client actually and I was chatting to them and I was like oh well what you need is some fuck that shit and you were I don't know if it was you someone where they were like yes I do need to fuck that shit and then I ca I came down with a bottle of it and they were like oh my god that's actually a thing I thought you were just talking in metaphors <laughs> <laughs> We had so much fun recording this episode that I had to split it into two parts. So if you want to find out what happens next, then check out part two. Thanks so much for tuning in. Please come and find me on the socials. Facebook page, The Wellwoman Project, Instagram, Wellwoman Project, and my website, thewellwomanproject.com.